podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Liverpool Groove. I'm Quinny and uh, I'm on my own today. Jay, unfortunately, couldn't make it. But I have got a very special guest today. So I've got with me David from the Ragamuffins. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. You know, sort of uh, riding the uh, the tier three COVID wave and all that post Derby yeah. blues and you know all those sorts of feelings going on. <laughs> well, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out to join me today. Really appreciate it. I no problem at all. So obviously we are gonna uh, we're gonna get to the Derby, of course. A lot of talking points there, and we're gonna get to Champions League and. Sheffield United and things like that, but um, I wanted to start just by talking a bit about your music um, first. So, obviously, for those who don't know, um, you know the Ragamuffins. You've you've done um, a few Liverpool songs, which are going towards helping the food banks. Um, so, I mean, how, how did they come about exactly? Um, the first one really came about through like sheer luck uh, and being in the right place at the right time. There's um, I mean, we we only start. I'd, I'd always wanted. I'd always seen that they they had gigs on at Anfield, and people played when I was at the match. Um, and then uh, one day, I was just doing a, a piano bar gig in Manchester um, because you know, as well, obviously, as well as doing the band and as well as singing for a soul band, you know, I do obviously solo music and you know, as a as a gigging musician because you know, got to kind of pay the bills and all that. So I was doing a piano bar gig over in Manchester. And um, I just said, I was obviously announced that okay, I'm just going to have a little bit of a break. And uh, a mate of mine who's, who's, who's from Heighton and lives over there called Dan, who's a brilliant guitarist called Rosenbloom um, as, as his sort of stage name. And um, he's, I think he's done stuff in, I think he's done the story of Liverpool as well, um, or, the, or the history of Liverpool FC, the theatrical show as well, like as the acoustic guitarist. And anyway, he kind of comes up behind me and starts chatting away. And he's like, what have you been on with? And I'm telling him about, I became a dad a couple of months ago. And, and he's like, oh, what was that? What about yourself? And he's like, I've been playing at Anfield uh, quite a lot of late. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do that gig. And he's like, just gets his phone out. And he goes, I'll give you the agent. I'll give the agent a ring now who kind of books me for everything. And lo and behold, the next, I think the next week we were playing Spurs um, and we started doing then. So we had no, obviously, we were just doing our own songs there. And he thought, obviously, on the way down, I was like, well, you know, obviously, we can do a couple of the, the kind of songs that people like Webster and the Boss Night Lads do. So, we, but we'll do it as with with the band playing them. And uh, so we did that for the first one. And about two or three games in, um, the, the the Bobby song was starting to you know take off on the on the cop and on, in the in the away grounds. And I was like. I wonder if we could do like a proper arrangement of that for the band. So I kind of started piecing it together and putting an arrangement in to send to the lads and um, kind of do the gigs with us in the Ragamuffins. Um, and we thought nothing of it until I think the la- either the, the, the Barcelona game, obviously the 4-0, and then the Wolves game, we played it. And Bobby's wife, um, the, the John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap was chatting to me afterwards and he was like, you know, Bobby's wife was dancing to you playing his song. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then um, I was chatting to a guy called Mark Kenny, who we obviously did the record with in the end, and I sent him the demo, and he was like, mate, we've got to put that out. So we kind of, 
introduced me to one of the guys who works on a record label that he works for. And next thing was we were in a studio, but on I think it was a Tuesday after the Barcelona game, uh, before the final. We were like, yeah, well, we're going <laughs> to... So we did the record in the, in the best part of like four or five hours, put it all together, got the brass arranged and everything, and put it out. And we, we just thought, well, we'll see what got, we'll see what happens. And it just you know, exceeded all of our expectations, not only the amount it raised for the food banks, um, but just in terms of, I mean, I, n- I never thought it would have been like appearing on BBC One, never thought it had been played after the game in, in Madrid, which was just, you know, possibly, a, you know, certainly in the top five moments of my music career. Um, like to sort of, you're celebrating winning the European Cup and then your voice appears on the side. Like, you're just like, what? This is insane. So um, that and obviously Colin Murray playing it in the fan park and you know, just all those sorts of bits. Were just, we had no idea like all that kind of thing had happened, come from that. And it all just came from, you know, just being lucky with that, I guess. And obviously the, the other ones, we just wanted to follow them up. And yeah, just uh, I'd always wanted to do a version of, of Poor Scouts to Tommy, but I was trying to just think of the way to do it. And obviously with us with us doing sort of brass related stuff and uh, and kind of doing the occasional bit of scar. I thought that's the best way to do it. And the Minamino song, um, <laughs> that was just us messing around. I think we played that before the, uh, the, the kind of uh, the FA cup derby um, on, on one of the stages. And we'd have, we'd had speedo Mick knocking about uh, on, on the stage before. And cause I think he'd just done a charity record and, um, and Will just goes, Oh mate, do you know monkey man? <laughs> cause he's really hairy. I think yeah. that's how he's managed to do all his walking uh, without getting like hyperthermia. He's, he's, and so I've got to, you know, cheers to Steve, uh, to, uh, to Speedo Mick, you know, for, for being part of the inspiration. So we played Monkey Man. I was like, ah, I should do this. So we, I, I, I put in the sort of Minamino comes from Japan rather than the um, <laughs> general lyrics. And so obviously we did that as well. But yeah, it's been, it's just ridiculous. I mean, just in, you know the money raised is obviously brilliant, but it's raised a lot of awareness for the for the food banks as well, which is equally as important. Uh, and they've kind of gone from strength to strength, which is, I mean, you don't you don't you almost don't want them to have to exist, but because if if they do, then you know you want to make the most of and get you know get the most funding that you can to them and, and get the most awareness. So hopefully people do something about it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, me and Jay touched on it last episode because he's um released a, a new top for off his uh, Scouse Power brand yeah. for, for Reds and Blues, which is going towards the food bank. And he was he was saying, he was having a, a conversation with somebody from the food bank saying that because nobody's going to match at the moment, they're missing out on a ton of food per game, yeah. like an actual ton in weight per game. And you, you don't you don't really think about that kind of thing. You, you know, I think we all like to try and do a bit as much as we can, but you you don't realise the magnitude of the work that they do until you hear something like that, um, which is why I think, you know, what like what yourselves have done with the Liverpool songs, which, you know, I, I love them, to be honest. The, the Bobby yeah. one I come across, um, I think I come across that not long after he's released it last year, um, and it didn't really, I didn't put two and two together really until a few weeks back that it was, you know, used doing the the Minamino one and the Scouts Poor Scouts of Tommy one yeah. as well. But the art they're all they're all really good. And what what I like about especially the Poor Scouts of Tommy one is you haven't tried to change like your style to to fit the song. You've made the song fit your style. Um yeah. and it's it's a really sort of different and unique version of 
the song than I've heard before. Um, and it's just, but I mean, the Minamino one is, it's, it's just so catchy. It's, it's brilliant. It really is. <laughs> um, like I put it on once and then I put it on after that. And then it was stuck in my head all like for the rest of the day. And it, it was just, it's just one of them songs. It's so infectious, but it's, it's, a, I think it's a song you wouldn't really expect as well because with them only joining. So, you know, so short a time ago, he's just been here less than a year. Um, you know, I think he's probably a player not many would expect you to bring a song out for, but no, no. Um, I mean, was well, there... well, I was going to say, well, one of the reasons we did um, was that it was sort of, I've been chatting quite a bit to some of the, the supporters groups over in Japan. I think there's like, a, there is like a, a general uh, Japanese supporters group and they've been really supportive of the food banks, um, which is phenomenal. I mean, you know, I, is it just, I mean, not only does it show that, I mean, the, the motto of the food banks is obviously hunger doesn't wear club colours, but it's, I mean, it doesn't respect national borders either. So the fact that they're kind of pay, I mean, they've raised a couple of good, a good couple of thousand pounds for it. But not only that, the minute, uh, the, the Si Senor actually got to number one in the Japanese iTunes chart. And we didn't oh, even realise this. We only found this out because obviously the great thing about them is with, with the way that streams work now, you know, you don't get as much money as you should, but it means that the song is always there. Um, and so we can sort of see if Bobby scores a goal or he does something. And I mean, I think one of the, one of the cases in point was that Newcastle game at the start of last season when we won three, one, he came on after about you know, 25 minutes. Cause I think was it a week he got injured uh, and he won man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, um, uh, we noticed, you, you notice like a spike in the numbers on Spotify. Um, when he scored the winner in the World Club Cup final, um, it's like got another sort of spike in numbers. And we got a message through saying that it, it charted in um, in the Japanese iTunes chart again. And then it kind of comes up with a message going previous highest position, number one. And we were like, oh, wow. what? <laughs> but <laughs> we got that. But that, but, that num- but that number one came through when we released it over here. And and it was like around the time of of Madrid, so it was just it was just the email just got lost, so we just never saw it until like until we found this out. It was just just absolutely bizarre. So I was chatting to some couple of their supporters groups, and I thought you know what it'd be really nice because obviously the first Japanese player to play for Liverpool, and you know that obviously if if you're a Japanese Liverpool fan, that's going to be a huge huge thing. So we thought yeah, why not? It'd be really you know really good fun and the songs the songs that the song kind of stands up for itself so we'll see what you can do with it yeah it's brilliant and like you say i mean these foreign fans i think they get sort of a i think it's it's more the blues but they get an almost bad bad rap from some of the blues for some bizarre reason but they are they're so passionate about liverpool and they'll they'll spend you know hundreds and hundreds of money to come and see liverpool and and spend you know money in the shop and things like that um, and then it's 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 smaller things like that that I think just make you appreciate sort of how big Liverpool is as a whole, but how far, how much will, people are willing to go to support you know people like yourselves um, because all you have to do is, is release that song about about Bobby, and it, it's kind of went massive in Japan, which is you know it's 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 huge, it's, it's enormous. So and not only that, it, it gets it gets you guys uh, noticed that little bit more as well. Um, which yeah. is beneficial in the yeah. long run. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we sort of released it. Um, we, we've released all of them under the under the kind of banner Liverpool together, just just 
to kind of keep them like Liverpool together featuring their agamuffins on each of them. So it's sort of connected to us, but it's sort of like separate enough. So if someone's sort of, sort of searching for us on uh, on Spotify or iTunes or something, then they can sort of they can separate them. So you know, <laughs> although yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say if obviously if you're a Man United supporter and you listen to our music, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Firmino song comes on, you're like, oh bloody hell, I'm not in. So, but uh, two mates of mine are you know Man United fans, and for my sins, and uh, <laughs> they've both said. It's great. <laughs> like one of them, one of them, you know, he used to be a season ticket holder for them before he, he lives over in Malaysia now, and he's like, "It's great." I'll tell you what, and, and but you know, ultimately the um, the song is supported because the last the last royalty check we paid in was for like three grand, and I think Liverpool it was it was at the start of the lockdown. Liverpool and Everton, or it might have just been Liverpool at the time, had just paid about forty or fifty grand to the food banks as a donation. So he said, well, at the minute, we're okay, but I know for a fact that the Manchester food banks are really struggling. So they basically gave a big, uh, they gave our entire royalty check to the food banks over in Manchester, which is like a, in the same way that we've got Liverpool and Everton fans working on them. There's a, a city and a United element in it that both work together. And so, right, um, it, so Ian Byrne and Dave both made that donation. And um, by the end of the week, um, both Man United and Man City had, had followed that up by donating 50 grand each themselves. So ultimately, I think we were used to blackmail uh, <laughs> Man United and Man City out of 50 grand each, which is obviously a good thing because it's you know it's fed a hell of a lot of people in the city. But I mean, obviously, you look at what what Marcus Rashford's done as well, and you, that I mean, you've got to take your hat off to that kid. So. Yeah, massively. I mean, it's but, uh, a shame it's took yeah. somebody of his stature to, to bring it to the forefront. But um, I'm, I'm glad he has because, like you say, he's he's helped feed God knows how many, you know, hundreds of possibly thousands of of people um, in need. And it's it can only be a good thing. And I'm glad he's not resting on his laurels. He's, you know, he's trying to follow him up. Um, yeah. And hopefully he can get some more, you know, big names in, in the in the limelight, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's something the likes of someone like Jordan Henderson and James Milner, they, they'd absolutely love to get on board with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully it can, it can go from strength to strength for them. But, um, so was it with these songs? Was it, was it always the plan to get to do something to help the food banks with them all? I mean, like I, said, I mean, obviously the song kind of came out. The the the, the Firmino song as as a concept of putting it out kind of came out of nowhere. But as soon as as soon as we we decided we were going to do it. We knew we were gonna. I was like, well, we've got to, we've got to do it for like a charity, and it's just a natural charity to, to work with, because I mean we see them every day, um, every match day. Um, I obviously was well aware of them beforehand, and I thought, well, obviously if we can help them out and do this, then you know it can only be a good thing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it, I think the first time I met. First time I met Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Kelly, the Evertonian part of it, I think he was a bit unsure of it all. But, you know, he's, a, he's become quite a good mate. So he's a he's a top fella. Um, and, uh, yeah, so kind of met them, I think it was on the Tuesday morning at Par Street, an early morning sort of trip to Par Street, and we all sort of came in in dribs and drabs. And they were <laughs> just sort of waiting to meet us for, like, a photo shoot. And musicians being musicians, um, our drummer, Will, is perpetually late for everything. So like, Dave was not happy. <laughs> so, but you know, ultimately, I think he's forgiven me. Yeah, no. Well, again, really commend you for for the effort. Um, and I say the songs are, are absolutely brilliant. 
Um, but obviously, like you say, that you know, it's not all about the Liverpool songs that you do. You've obviously got your own music out there. I was uh, listening to a few of the songs earlier. You know, I noticed on Spotify you'd have still been releasing a few bits here and there during the lockdown. Um, I imagine it's obviously been a lot tougher for for you all um, at the moment with with the lockdown, especially now. Liverpool's moved into the tier three, but have you been keeping yourself busy music-wise over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, I mean, all all the band have sort of you know tried to take on whatever projects you can. Um, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of writing. Um, the one plus about being you know being stuck at home is, apart from looking after our little girl, <laughs> there's um, yeah, you have a lot more sort of headspace to sort of try and put ideas together. Um, which is probably the first time I've had that in about two years to actually try and write a, a, as many sort of songs and piece them together and arrange them on, on our little kind of home studio setup. But we've done we've done quite a few recording bits as well. We did uh, like so Janice Long, who was kind of obviously used to print top of the pops back in the day, and now she does she's Radio Two, and now she does Radio Wales. We did um, a kind of full full band BBC session for her. Um, kind of, you know, I recorded like my track uh, to like a click with like headphones on. Will then put the drums on it, then sent it over to um, our saxophone player, then sent it over to our trumpet player. We recorded it on like two iPhones by kind of having the track playing on one, then recording a video on the other. So I kind of patched that back into our sort of interface here. And so we kind of pieced like three tracks together for like this BBC session. So it was like a, a live session, but with all of us um, all over the place. So, because um, Will Will had actually gone down to Cornwall to work uh, to work down there because someone offered him a job working in, a, in, in an orchard uh, or either a vineyard or an orchard or something. And he was like, you know what? I'm not going to be getting any work for the next couple of months. So I might as well just bugger off and go do that. So he's like, so, you know, he grew a massive beard and uh, <laughs> he said, and he's just been, a, you know, getting buried on scrumpy all the time so no fair play <laughs> so but he's um yes yeah, so we he was doing that for a couple of months and uh like kind of sent it would be kind of bouncing tracks between each other and you know, doing things like that so did that for janice and um we did a couple we, we did a, a, a little liverpool session um for i'm gonna have to name check a rival podcast but um the you know Obviously, I'm sure it's it's one of those. If you listen to the more Liverpool podcasts you listen to, then then the more sort of. But we did one for a, a, a podcast called Anfield Index, where we, we did a little um, like four track session. Uh, we recorded Si Senor, but we also did a version of You'll Never Walk Alone, which is the first right. time I've like recorded that. And um, yeah, it's was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, it's we 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 couldn't do Poor Scouse and Tommy though because because you've got to do it sort of to a click track. And when you hit the, oh, I am a Liverpudlian, that's sort of like, you've just got to sort of look into the eyes of your bandmates to get the sort of timing right. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. when you can't do that, you, you know, you've got no chance. No. Um, yeah, but apart from that, um, yeah, I've done a couple of, there was a, a single I wanted to do for ages called uh, Better Late Than Never. Um, and I kind of, rather than actually get the drums recorded, um, it's actually a drum sample that we've kind of looped um which sounds it just sounded really good um and i used this synthesizer that i got uh, as a free download that one of the big sort of synth brands made it available to musicians at the start of lockdown um so I just kind of got the app for that and i was like messing around with that and it just sounded amazing so i was like well, this, we'll put this out as a single and 
it kind of fits in with with some of the songs on it on an EP we did about two or three years ago. Um, so I was like, yeah, put that out and um, yeah, it's just doing doing bits really um, to keep ourselves busy. But I think the next thing we're going to do is going to be the proper sort of album release, and we're trying to do a, a film project as well, which we're you know chasing the grant money for at the minute because it's you know it's it, it's one of the like most ambitious things <laughs> we've tried to do yeah. but um it's, it's sort of basically it's uh, revolving around a, a song i wrote called last walk down hope street um you know as you're walking along from upper parliament street with the cathedral on your on your left hand side and then you just like get that you walk around the corner and you just like see the whole vista of the city and you're just like yeah this is all right yeah. so it's sort of just around that and um so the song was kind of inspired by that um and then I thought, well, it'd be quite nice to do a little feature of Hope Street. Um, so that's hopefully what we're going to try and do um, and look into the history of it and the kind of cultural history. And obviously you've got everything from John Lennon being involved at, um, and living at Gambia Terrace to uh, all the sort of dockers strike and the, uh, the organisations that, that were happening at the CASA and all the sort of things in the 80s with the Everyman and all the sort of great like acting talent that's gone through there. And then obviously the fill. Um, it's so there's so much on just like one street, and it. I thought, well, if the song's there, then that'd be nice to piece that together, and um, so we'll see, we'll see what we can do with that. But obviously, it's sort of dependent on uh, on some grant money coming through from a couple of uh, funding applications that we've been working on. So, if not, then we'll just we'll just have to find a way to record and release the song with like an yeah. orchestra, which is the, which, which is the plan. But uh, yeah, we'll find a way. No, fingers crossed. That sounds like a really, you know, interesting and, and ambitious project that you've you've got planned there, and especially something like Hope Street, as you say, it's such a such an iconic sort of road in, in the city. Um, you know, with the with the cathedral at either end. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, it's as you say, it's got a, that that great backdrop to it and really interesting backstory. So we'll definitely fingers keep our fingers crossed for you for that one. Um, I was actually listening to to Bethelite and Never earlier on actually. Um, and I just I, I thought the song was fantastic. Um, I, I, w- I would never I would never have guessed it was just a, a looped over drum sample. To be honest with you, it was a if it goes really, it just all sort of meshes together really well. It was a, it was a really good song. Yeah, it's like um, it's from we did um, the the last EP we did we did um, a couple of like live tracks in the studio when we were there, um, and we did a song called Cosmic Stat, which is sort of like a it's like a, a um, what do you, what's the word? <laughs> the gone. Um, it's like one of those sort of kraut rock bands it's like that kind of thing going on with the drums um, but there's so many songs of late that have that sort of drum sample going from like um, stuff that uh, well Physical by Dua Lipa has that sort of thing going on yeah. um, Blinding Light by um, uh, the, weekend. the Weekend Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it's almost like I, I'm not going to say that obviously we were two years ahead of the time because <laughs> we certainly were not but um, yeah, it's yeah. It, so it, it sounded it, that little drum loop at the start that Will put in just sounds brilliant. And I was like, right, we've got to do something with this. So basically, looped that round and got all the sort of synths and everything together, and um, it just it came together very quickly and just b- bounced a few bits together with some of the other the other lads. And um, I mean, it was easy for Will because obviously he's already played his drum part, so he doesn't need to do it again. Yeah. So yeah, of course. He's, um, so he, he, he boxed it off two years ago. So. Yeah. No, I say it was a really good song. Um, I did notice as well. You've um, you put an album out 
um, a little earlier this year, BBC sessions. So was that just like the you know different times you've been like on on TV or the radio, yeah. and things like that? Yeah. So so obviously the um, the sort of inspiration for that was from the from doing the Janice Long session, and it sounded really really good, um, even though it was obviously recorded in isolation. But then I was kind of looking back through all the sort of different things we've done for the BBC down the years. Um, and it just, I was like, you know what, we should, we've got enough to make a record here. So there's ones that we've done uh, for like Dave Monks on BBC Merseyside and the kind of, the introducing show. I think there's one we did for, um, the, for the Billy Butler show from like a few years ago. Um, there's a couple from BBC Manchester, a couple from uh, BBC Lancashire. Uh, but yeah, and obviously the ones from uh, BBC Wales. I think the, I think there might be one from BBC Radio Two as well, but I'm not sure. What's off my head. But um, yeah, it's just uh, I got the hardest thing for that was trying to come up with something for the artwork. And then um, I was watching a YouTube video and they had like the the, the old sort of test card image, and I was like, yeah. right, that's it. So I thought I'll get a photo <laughs> of our little of our Harriet, and then kind of <laughs> put that on, and then um, you know use my awful photoshopping skills to sort of swap that in but yeah so that that sort of pieced it together quite well um yeah i mean the artwork it's 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 nice it's i like it it's you know it's unique and i think it kind of fits if it obviously fits in with what the album is but i can i think it kind of fits your style a little bit as well it's a it you know if i think if you've seen that on the shelves in a in a shop or something it it would stand out that you'd take a second look at it kind of thing so um, it definitely fits with, with your guys' style, I think. But um, I suppose you've had to. So, do you think you would have done that if we if we went in lockdown? Um, has that just come about because of that? Do you think? I, I think it's sort of like filling a bit of a gap as much as anything. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a nice gap to fill in many senses because it meant that we could because the the songs we recorded for the the, the Janice Long session, which were two of them, were quite old songs, and I'd never quite been happy with how they sounded when we recorded them so right. i was like well we can probably do a better job um and even though the obviously the brass is recorded on like a mobile phone it's you'd never know it sounds really good so you know we, we, it's kind of come out of the bag a bit that way um but yeah i mean it's sort of like a, trying to keep <laughs> keep things ticking over and yeah. um you know give as much as it's a case of like trying to bring in a few quid it's also a case of you know trying to uh, trying to you, you want to engage with your fans and you know when you when you I mean content is so important nowadays and when you can't exactly go out and uh, do photo shoots and play gigs it's quite you know it's not as easy to engage with your fans and no. um, yeah so it's it's quite nice to just get get people's opinions on things like that yeah I mean I suppose it's all also a sort of a celebration in a way and a, and a look back at, at some of the work you have already done. Um, you know, even though you, you could probably say you you still you're still obviously trying to, to grow as, as artists and, and where yeah. you are, but it you know, to see some of the tracks on there from like two thousand fourteen and stuff like that, you know, it shows yeah. you know, it's just a as I say, it's a bit of a celebration in, in the work that you've already done as well. Yeah, I mean I mean I, to be honest, I'd forgotten that um I'd forgotten that the uh one of one of the tracks we actually released at um at, at, at Dovedale Towers so I saw a tweet the other day from from the Dovedale saying that that I'd like sixty people who booked in and hadn't turned up, and I was like, I said, and I was, I was like, but yeah, we launched our, our like we launched it never rains on Mossley Hill when we played there, 
which just seems like a, you know, a different different life. <laughs> so, because I mean, have you, have you found that in lockdown? Where like sometimes you just, you know, you think about something that you've done this year, and you're just like, Jesus, it feels like a you know a different time zone. Like just you just feel like it was another yeah. another lifetime away. So I was still thinking about. I mean, the the big one for me was that was the the weekend of the Man United game. It's just like I played, I did a gig in Paris on the Saturday night. Got the first flight back to Manchester. Got a lift over. We played before and after the game, and it was just oh, one of the best weekends I've ever had. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you just like just everything gone. Yeah. So that's when you. But when you kind of think back about that, it's like that was this year. And it's like. <laughs> Close your mind. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, 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 you know, with with all the lockdown and stuff, I was supposed to go to Florida this year, but um, I did still manage to get away earlier in the year. But even that, I mean, it was it was about six months ago that I went away now, and even that, it feels so much longer away because just we it, everything just kind of come to a standstill over the last six months. And um, but the one thing I will say is that I don't think I, I, I don't think I would have started this the podcast up if yeah. if it hadn't have been for that because. All I found myself doing was was going to work and coming home and, and doing nothing. I thought I've, I've got to sort of I can't go out. I can't like go to the pub or nothing really and just yeah. go out with my mates or nothing like that. So I need something to to just change it up a bit. So you know I think if there's anything if there's anything at all I can be thankful for about the lockdown it is it is this and and this alone. But it's it's just been crazy and hopefully you know certainly for the uh, you know for the sort of mu- the creative industries let's say. Um, yeah. I hope I hope we can get out of this tier three and start getting back to normality sooner rather than later because everybody's you know if if the creative industry does go the way it's looking at the moment where the government aren't going to give them any help every you know it's not only the the sort of like you guys and musicians and venues and stuff like that that are going to miss out but every you know everybody's going to miss out everybody loves going to a gig or to yeah. a, to see a comedian or something like that and if there's none of that about it, it's like you know. You, you need you need you need this um and i hope you do pull the finger out and, and start helping you out a bit more yeah i mean i think it's the whole sort of web isn't it you've got because you've not just got like the, the the thing you see is the musicians but obviously if you're doing a big show on like a huge on like a festival stage you've got all the guys who are doing the booking you've got all the guys who are actually doing the tech stuff you've got all the guys sorting out the logistics and building the stages and the sad thing is you know, they, in a, I mean, you feel guilty because in, in, in ways you can still make money as a musician. You still get, your, especially if you're a bigger musician, you still get your PRS checks from your songs getting played on television. You still get your PRS checks from, from things getting played on the radio. But the guys who do the tech, they're not, unless, they, unless they're getting furlough support or unless they're getting government support, they get nothing. I mean, obviously, if you're a smaller musician and the majority of your income comes from gigs, then you know that's 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 gone and yeah. i mean I, the one thing i can't get my head around is that of that one of the furlough schemes doesn't apply for september and october and it's like we're already in lockdown again and it's october so it's sort of like well <laughs> but then it's coming back in in november and it's like well how does that work and it's only it's only 20 percent of your income so i mean it's it's a pittance anyway but yeah. the fact that you're not even getting 20 percent of anything is for like September and October. Well, I mean, it's not as if everyone was living the life of Riley in September and 
<laughs> but and on, I mean, you know, I played a like twenty five thousand pe- like person festival in, in in September. No, no, see what it wasn't happening. No. So it just seems things like that just seem ridiculous. And um, <laughs> you know, maybe the fact that obviously before the before on the day of the last election, I suppose all the sort of musicians and everyone put out the tweets going, we're all voting Labour. So maybe they're just like getting us all back for that. So bastards. No. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them to be honest with you. No, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't either. You know, but well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think I, I don't know. I, I so many of the decisions that the government have made with all of this lockdown, and especially especially recently with as say Liverpool going into tier three. I think just there's so many decisions that they make that contradict other decisions that they've made. Um, and you know, obviously it was it was you know Boris got the piss took out of him really earlier in the year when it was like, you know, go out but stay in and, and see your nan but don't see your nan and, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> it was just, they just, they haven't had a clue what they were doing since day one. I think they've done everything too late and then they, they start they started making plans and, and changes too late and then they started rescinding them too early, stuff like that. I think we should have realistically got put into a lockdown earlier um, and, and stuff like that. But it is what it is. I mean, well, that was it. I mean, I mean, when we we played, we played before the uh, before the Atletico game. Um, that, I mean, you almost call it that Atletico game now, yeah. Because I mean, ultimately, the result didn't matter because you know a lot of well, a lot of science has pointed out that potentially forty three people might have died as a result of that game, and that's that's crackers. I mean, staggering, isn't it? Because 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 it's not it's not just the fact. I mean. I remember the two weeks afterwards. I was like, because you know, I go and I, I I drive past my mum's when I'm on my way home, and I normally kind of pop if, if it's a match day or we've been playing, I normally pop in for like a brew and everything. And I was kind of messaging, going, I'm, I'm, I'll, I won't be seeing you. And she was like, oh, don't be soft. And for the next two weeks, I was like, no, I'm not coming around. And she's like, don't be silly. But yeah. Ultimately, it wasn't like, and I bet a lot of people were like that because a lot of people just won't be taking it seriously until, because you know, you take your lead, whatever whatever political party you support, you you, you feel like you should have faith in the guys who are in charge. Now, whether that's naivety on my part, I think ultimately it is because you shouldn't. And and when you look at the, the decisions they make, and especially because they're making this. You're just aghast at every every turn, really. So, yeah, massively. In fairness, I think I was I was one of them who was a little skeptical about it initially. Yeah. When when there was reports of it in like January and February and February and stuff like that, I was very sort of blasé about it. I was you know saying it's not going to have a big effect on us. And even when I was going away, like I went away, I think it was the 9th of March uh, to yeah. Budapest, and um, they started. It was really strange. They I think we were there for about 10 days or so and they started yeah. knocking down about a week after we'd been there but it was like places were shutting earlier and things like that but the country yeah. itself only had about probably they had less than 100 cases in the entire country and they were starting yeah. to do stuff like that already and I think that's when it really clicked for me that like maybe this is something we need to to start worrying about and I've just kind of been like both both my parents work for the NHS so I kind of know what been going on I, I can see it from I know how it affects people from from sort of the some of the horror stories I've heard of of them um and so I think I've just I'm always trying to be as careful as, as possible I don't 
luckily I drive to work and stuff like that, so I don't have to worry about public transport and I can keep it in my own little bubble. Um, but I mean, it's just I just I I wanted to I obviously want everything to get back to normal, but it's it's one of them. We've got to make sure people are safe, and we've uh, more importantly as well, we've got to make sure people and businesses and things like that can survive. And um, I don't think you've done enough for the economy in that respect either. Um, I, I think the balance between the two of them has been quite poor from them, but you shouldn't expect it. You yeah. shouldn't expect any less, really. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, but you know, we, we've 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 sort of worked that out over the over the years. Unfortunately, I mean, even to uh, one of the, one of the mad things is a mate of mine had put a post on that sort of got me thinking, and it was basically saying you almost think that the government aren't too fussed they 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 know they've made a mistake and they need they needed to implement some sort of lockdown again now but if they did that then that's effectively admitting that they failed so but he was basically suggesting that they thought well what we can do we can target liverpool we're not going to lose any votes there so we'll put them into tier three uh and then the mayors will kick off and they'll be like and then when when they kind of kick off then we can say okay well we've got to put the whole country in and so almost like Rotherham and Anderson have almost called the bluff by going yeah okay yeah <laughs> so then yeah. and then obviously they've needed Andy they've had to sort of manufacture an enemy with Andy Burnham and obviously Andy's doing his best for Manchester um, <laughs> and then obviously he's having a mis- he's having a consistent kick off with the government and so it's a way for them ultimately you know and he was suggesting that ultimately when the country locks down they're going to try and use Andy Burnham as a scapegoat, which is ridiculous because it's not, it's not his fault, is it? No. So no, it's, it's, it, it's, but, oh, well, you know, it's, I, th- you just, I think we just got to, you know, <laughs> what, what can you say? You just got to sort of wait and wait it out and hope that there's an industry left, hope there's a buddy country left at the end of it. So, yeah, you've got to hope for the best at this point, haven't you? Um, yeah. Right. Well, anyway, should we move on to the happy footy? Ta- happy, happy times there, lad. So. <laughs> right. Let's uh, yeah. let, let, let's kick on with the foot with the footy. Um. So obviously, derby at the weekend. Um. I think to say we were robbed is a massive understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that I mean that is the best we've played at Goodison. I think under Klopp. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 I think, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, the man A one nil in the sort of 90, 94th, 95th minute, that was, you know, that was a nothing game, and then well, all of a sudden you got Sturridge doing a bit of quality, digging something out off the post, and Mane putting it away because he's the quickest to react. But all the other games, I mean, we could have, we could have easily lost the one. In between the, I think it was the, was it the two two legs of the City quarter final a couple of years ago, yeah. when we played when we played Clavin as a as a marauding left back, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, and then who else? And then obviously we could we could have even lost the one when Davies at the post in the, in the like when when Lovren came back and I think he was still <laughs> he was still on the holidays, um, I think his mind was still in lockdown when he was playing that game, so. Yeah. You know things like that. It's we, you know, all those those three nil nils. I mean, I think the the I think the, the one the nil nil when Salah had the one on one. I don't think. I mean, you know, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think we played as poorly as you'd have thought in that one. But compare that to you know some of the passes 
the, the vertical passes that Thiago was putting through, just like playing through them. I thought, yeah, fantastic. And you know, it is whatever we say. It's not an, it's not the easiest of places to go when <laughs> when they hate us the way they hate us. It's certainly not an easy place to go. So no, it's not. I think I think the difference with this season compared to some of them ones that you've been talking about there is, I think just the Everton have got that little bit more actual quality in the team now. Whereas maybe in seasons gone by, even last season, they were they didn't have the players that could really bother us too much. So they were just, I think they've always played to not lose at Goodison because obviously they don't want to lose at, at home to the biggest rival. So they've just always played to not lose. Whereas this time they could have they could have a bit of a go about it and. I think they played better than they have done in recent times against us. But at the same time, I think we were still far and away the better team over the 90 minutes. Um, I, 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 I was going to, I'd seen a few sort of Evertonians afterwards saying that they didn't play very well. And I was like, I think it's more a case of... We didn't let you. you know, we, we didn't let them. And I mean, the way the way we kind of kept the ball, I mean, the you know certainly the second goal comes from just... A, it wasn't even loose play. It was just a case of... There was a bit of space down the right, and well, their left, our right, and I mean, I mean, you could you could argue that they could you could pick up in the middle, but I don't know. I think um, he's obviously very good in the air. It's Carbert Lewin, yeah, um, and I think he, he grew in confidence when Van Dijk went off as well. I think, yeah, certainly that. I don't think that first goal, especially, happens yeah. if Van Dijk's still on the pitch. Harder yeah. to say with the second one because. Um, but I mean, I think if he's, yeah, he might read the, he might read the direction of the cross. Yeah, and Van. I mean, I don't think Calvert Lewin really lost many aerial battles in the game, but besides his goal, he didn't actually do a great deal. Um, no. I think we done well keeping him quiet for the majority of the game, and but he's in that kind of form where if he gets one chance, which he did, and he, he scored it. Um, but I mean, well, I think we've done that. I, I think we've done that quite well with a couple of games this season. I mean, the, the when you think about when you think about the caliber of strikers we've been playing against, we played against Timo Werner, kept him quiet. Yeah, I. The, the, I mean, those two Fabinho tackles were just astounding. <laughs> just like in terms of the, it, just made it look easy as a stand-in auxiliary centre half. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he was, was fantastic in that made, game. Wasn't he? Made it against Arsenal. Um, Abamyang, and you look at the way you look at the goal he scored in the charity shield. He was he was phenomenal, and he bet he. I don't even think he had a sniff in no. that game. Like just kept, just stopped the ball getting to him. And similarly, I think you know that's that's almost the approach we took in that one. But obviously, the I mean the goal comes from getting to the byline and pulling pulling the ball back. And you know, no matter what team you are, that's never an easy thing to defend. No. So obviously, you just got so. Yeah. I think it's one of them goals. If if we'd have scored it, we would have been like that that fantastic goal. It's a great team yeah. goal. Let them on the counter. It's one of them you'd be really pleased to see if we'd have scored it. So um it's one of them. I mean, as I say, with Virgil going off with you know the the assault from Jordan Pickford. Um <laughs> it, I'd call it a tackle, but I mean it, it when you're catching them on the knee squarely, yeah. I mean it's it's it, that's not a tackle anymore. Um well, did, did, I've, I've looked, was it? Was it? I, I mean, this is my lack of expertise when it comes to knee injuries. But I, I thought the thing that might have done the damage was the fact that he scissored him, because it's sort of like that's it's going to be that twist in motion more than because if you look at the way that that Richarlison has hit Thiago with that tackle, 
it's a case of he's he's gone straight through it. He's he's hitting him on the knee, but it's a case of he's you know it's just a, a, a leg going to his knee. Whereas the the the, the Pickford one, the thing that the thing that looked to have done the damage was the fact that he sort of scissored him. So he's got his weight going over and kind of twisting his knee because if it's like yeah. especially if it's yeah. But I mean I mean uh, person have you seen the Pickford one that he did on Delhi Alley a couple of years ago? I thought that was. That was a worse. I thought that was a worse tackle, which make, which makes it sound like I'm excusing him, and it's not because I think that is one. That is one of the worst tackles. I mean, he's off the floor. He's going in with both legs, and <laughs> it just baffled. I mean, well, that's it. He's yeah. got. I mean, he's got a bit of history. Obviously, now the one yeah. on on Saturday, he's got the one against Delhi Ali. I've seen another clip where it's for England, and he does pretty much what he does to Van Dijk on him. Um, Mario Mandzukic, but he doesn't doesn't catch him quite as bad. Yeah. Um. And then there's another one where he's I think he's he's kissed out at, at like Danny Ings or something. For yeah. I think it was last season playing for Southampton, but he's got history. And he when when I've watched them in the past, like um, if like the Blues and where have have got their game on or something, um, and when you watch him, he's so he's so arrogant, he's so cocky, he thinks he's he thinks he's so much better than he is, and I think that's what I obviously besides despite Besides the fact that he's playing for Everton, the one thing I don't like about him is that sort of cocky arrogance because he's not good enough to be cocky or arrogant about his ability. Um, well, he's made. A, I mean, there's a lot of high-profile sort of errors, and you know when you start making them as a part. I mean, then again, that might be the that might be the, the, the way he sort of tries to compensate and get over it by being like, you know what, I'm. You know, he's got to he's got to sort of mentally appear that he's. You know, putting himself out there in 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 a in a, in a different way to try yeah. and you know compensate for some of the I mean because obviously the never I mean never mind the Origi one there was the one was it was it they were playing Fleetwood in the cup Everton and he had an absolute oh, yeah. howler there's um, the one when he tried to catch when he, he did he carry the carry the ball over his line and they were two 0 up with about you know with 90 minutes gone against Newcastle yeah. and drawing two all last season you know. Um, and then didn't Carlo Ancelotti bring up Istanbul in the in the post match interview? I mean, I'm surprised he's still in the job to be honest. After that, so <laughs> no. Um, I mean, like I say, he's he's got history. He should have been sent off, but I don't see the point in like people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he needs to be banned for X amount of games, and he needs to be banned for no. as long as Virgil's injured." It's like it's pointless now. No, it's... He needed to get sent off in the game, and that that is yeah. all it needed to be. Um, well, VAR, I mean, I mean. Fail, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, regardless of the jokes that people are making about how you know we want him to be in because it makes Everton weaker with him in the in the team. In all seriousness, I mean, I never understand that. It's like how how would it benefit us as a? I mean, okay, if if it's a title rival of ours, that's a different thing. And whether whether Everton actually are a legitimate contender this season is another argument and another podcast entirely. But <laughs> it feels very much like. If you if you fit, I mean, I'm trying to. There must be instances where this has happened. But like, if a player gets a red card against you, and then two two or three games later, they've got like a Man City or a Man United, and they're sort of in the hunt alongside yourselves for like a for an honour, whether it's the the league or the cup, and you're like, well, that's great. So uh, you know, we, we've had to play against one one of their players, and then he doesn't have to play against one of their right. He's not playing against one of our rivals. That's great. So, and that'd be the case with Pickford. It'd be like, 
well, he didn't, if he didn't get sent off in our game, and then I mean, I'm not entirely sure who, who Everton's next fixtures are, but say they had a big fixture coming up, and it's like, oh, well, they don't have the goalie because he's been sent off retrospectively. It's like it's like a lose lose for us in many senses. So, um, yeah, but the other one, I, I was I was I, I was thinking about this though because I can't remember as, as when you consider the number of red cards in the derby, I can't think of many horrendous injuries like like. Out for the season injuries in a derby. Um, no, neither can I. Off the top of my head, I mean, like you say, there's always there's always been sort of feisty challenges, and uh, a lot of the Everton fans have been more than happy to point out some of the Liverpool oh, yeah, over yeah. the years. But there's always that I mean, bit there, of competitiveness. I mean, there was, was it, so there was the there was the Henderson one where Barkley absolutely took him out a couple of years ago, which was that was a, that was a bad one. Obviously, the Gerrard one from. Around 2000, when he did it, when he two footed someone, <laughs> like oh man, yeah, Gary Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that obviously that was that was horrendous. Um, and you've got, I mean, okay, people say the count one, but as bad as that was, he missed Gary. Yeah. He never, he never, I mean, if he'd taken Phil Neville's head off, I mean, he'd have yeah. gone fair enough, but he missed. <laughs> I mean, Phil Neville saw him coming and got out of the way, so um, you know, bloody hell. But yeah, but I mean, and ever obviously ever since, and because obviously ever since, know the history. There's a fellow who got back to me about Jimmy Case in 1980. So I mean, you know, <laughs> a couple of years before I was born. So yeah, I mean, that, but if you've got to go back that far to find out uh, to find a, a derby game where someone's career has been, you know, really badly affected by an injury in a derby. And when you consider the number of really bad challenges that have happened since then, I mean, even I think Barros did it. Barros got a straight red in 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 one in in, in the Istanbul season, if I remember. Sure, he got he got a straight red for like a really bad challenge on someone. Um, I, I'd have to go back no, and look at that because no, I can't no, remember no, off the top of yeah. my head, but. Yeah, but um, like you know, just like things. I know there was there was one with the count one nil at Anfield in um, in Benitez's last season, and I think. Kyriakos got sent off. I think someone else got sent off for Everton. And I mean, someone put out someone put out um, a like video compilation going, "You'd never get this in a derby now." <laughs> it's like, well, I think you would. <laughs> you would, lad. Yeah, Pickford obviously so, seen that. <laughs> yeah, and, after, and after. Um, Yeah. But no, I mean, even even like I remember the I think it was this the season after Istanbul, um, and Gerard got sent off. And the only reason I remember yeah. it is because it, we just Liverpool had just been awarded Clatula Culture, and both him and, and I. Yeah, the number 08. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, I think it was Andy van der Meijer got sent off for Everton in that game as well. With an elbow. Um, yeah, but, but I don't think they really missed him. Um, no, well, well, because I, 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 that was I, you know what I remember that game because you, you know you can just remember certain things. I remember the the second our, our second goal was Garcia lobbing. Um, God, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been Howard then, would it? Would it have been I Nigel Martin? Still? It might have been Nigel Martin. It might have been. Uh, it not Paul Gerrard? Or no. possibly Richard Wright. Might have been Richard Wright, but it was. It, um, the ball was, you know, you know the way that the the Salah goal against Man United last season was. You could see Allison looking at it, and but obviously when when you're in the ground, you sort of see. The, the kind of the whole picture. I remember seeing that, that, that Rayner had sort of been pointing to, to crouch and like kind of gesturing to hit the corner. Um, and then obviously he played the ball, crouch won the flick on and then Garcia 
put it in and like Rainer spr- he did that kind of classic Rainer thing of sprinting the whole length of the pitch and was going like yeah that's me <laughs> yeah it was, it was. so yeah remember that so yeah that was that's a great game that oh, it, to be honest I was saying this the other day and I think for the first time in a long time it did feel like a derby of old I think you know two teams who you know wanted to win um, and just they left well, they left it all on the pitch. Some some players got left on the pitch, I think, as well. But yeah. um it, it did it for the first time in a long time. It felt like a it felt like the derby was back. I haven't really looked forward to derbies for quite some time because yeah. Everton just haven't been you especially at Goodson, you just knew Everton were gonna try and not lose. I don't think they've really tried to win a, a derby at Goodson for you know a good, a good sort of four or five years. Um and this was probably their best chance to win it. Um, you know, I don't see the likes of Rodriguez and uh, Alan sticking around for too long, especially if if it does go the way Everton normally goes and they don't get Europe and things like that. Um, they're not going to want to stick around for too long, especially if they have a good season. Um, you know, there'll be some of Europe's big boys knocking on the door for players like that if they feel like they can get them at a good price. So they need to make sure that they kind of push on. Um um, and I'd, I'd like to say I'd like to see it, but I'd be lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They've, they've started well. Fair play to them. Um, but yeah, again, we were robbed. Sadio, I, I just don't see how they've, they've put Mane offside for that goal. Um, I mean, that, well, that's the one, isn't it? I mean, if, if they've... I mean, when you, when you think back to the Aston Villa game and the way that the, the offside... Uh, came about for one of those. I think it was the <laughs> could have been the fourth. It could have been the fifth. I kind of lost count. But um, you know, but you know, the the offside line that they drew. When you're obviously saying that the the rules on offside have changed this season. So because as a result of them changing the rules on handball and there the being a knock on effect, that's something I'd seen. And that was the that was the instance where because it was Mane's elbow that was possibly offside. But it's like, well, you can't score with your elbow, can you? Well, can you? I mean, that's but that's it, isn't it? It's like it's. It, I mean, don't. I, I was the, obviously you know when you have it when you're having like mad ideas. The one, the only mad idea I could think of to completely sort out the offside rule was, you know, when you have when you have the preseason training games and the players all wear those um, the vests that have got the, the the satellite tagging on them. Yeah. So you can see exactly how far players have run. Well, I was thinking that would be the only way you could feasibly work out offsides and work out on work work it out from a player's core, um, and then have a you could you'd basically have to have a, a you know an infrared grid on the pitch or something and work out the technology like that. And I mean, when you're on about, I mean, that was one that was one of the things that FIFA didn't want to do initially. They didn't want to separate the the, the upper echelons of the game from the lower echelons of the game because you know when you're having a kickabout on Stanley Park. You know, you're not exactly going to have like a, a, a fella down at St George's Park, you know, kind of. Nah, lads, you're, you're, sorry, I've got the message through you. You were offside then. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they, they, they obviously, you know, they, they, they didn't want to like, they didn't want to kind of separate the game in that way, that way anyway. And then obviously, if everyone's having to do, you know, something of like the te- needing the technology of that sort of level to, to, work out an offside call and even then you know there'd still be controversy and <laughs> because at some point there's going to be a call that's just too close to call and it's still going to require you know when when does the ball leave someone's boot 
because ultimately when you kick a football, the ball compresses because of the force. And it's the same. So does the ball leave your boot when you when you first make contact with the ball? Is it when it stops leaving con leaving making contact with your boot? In which case, there's, I mean, there's all those discussions about frame rate and everything. You know, you never it's never going to be right. And ultimately, there's going to be a sort of a cricket sort of solution where you're going to have to say it's gone to umpire's call, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even like even with them saying Van Dijk was offside for when he got hacked down by Pickford. I mean, when he drew it's the, the same line, thing, isn't it? yeah, yeah. When when he drew the line up to him, the line stops at his elbow. But then he decided, wait, no, we're going to go through his elbow to his sleeve. To his arm. So yeah. the, the, his, his point where he's offside is his elbow. That's that's where his body starts. So that is the point where you, you leave it at. And if we leave it at that, where it should have been, he wasn't offside. And then the right cause would have got made eventually. But I just don't... It, there's so much inconsistency with it still. They've simplified this offside rule, so they say. But you're still getting so many stupid calls like you did at the weekend um, and it just it kind of ruined it um, in the end because I mean the joy I had when Henderson put that ball away to then go like I had to I was like I was so angry on Saturday I was like I was shaking with anger <laughs> like yeah. but that I think uh, that's a little bit of what I wanted as well because as I say derbies in the past you've kind of in the past yeah. couple of years well, I've watched the derby and Everton will be on the attack and I've not even really battered the eyelid at it. It's like, well, they're not going to do anything. Um, but this year it was a bit more, you knew that they, they had that threat of like Rodriguez um, and like Calvert-Lewin and stuff like that. So yeah. that I wanted that emotion to sort of come out of me, but maybe not in that way. <laughs> no, um, no, I mean, it is, I mean, it is, you're not wrong there though. I mean, it does fit. I mean, because that's, I mean, because I was trying to work it out and going, when did we lost it, lose to Everton? And obviously, it was ten years to the day. Yeah. And that that's that's incredible because I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of I know a lot of like Blackburn fans from music and and things like that, and they they used to harp on about the fact that it had been thirty four years since they'd lost to Burnley, obviously their biggest rivals, and these and you know made a huge huge deal about that. But they played them like once. They didn't play them for like fifteen years or something. And you're yeah. like, we play Everton at least twice a season, at least twice a season. And obviously, we've got all played them a good few times in the FA Cup. We've played them. No, we haven't played them in the League Cup. But even then, it's, to, to not lose a game in ten years against your biggest rivals, I mean, I can't. There can't be another another instance like that in 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 world football where you're playing every season against. Against a team who, you know, are have been in the same league as you all that time, and just, that's crazy when you think about it. I mean, no, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, I read, even, no. even yeah, even Atletico. I mean, Atletico and Madrid, and and you think about well, the, there must be, you know, there, there must Real must have put some decent runs together, but twenty three games, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's mad, isn't it? And I, I read that this is now our longest. Undefeated streak against a single opponent in our history, um, yeah. which it's it's man. Um, but as I say, Everton have, have especially since Moise has gone, they've they've bought really poorly. They've they've not, you know, as I said, they they bought terribly. They've tried to they panic bought a lot, bringing in lots of faces for big money who haven't worked out. Um, and then even some of the ones that look like they were going to work out, like Gilfie Sigurdsson and stuff like that. 
have done not enough to to warrant no. being there really. So now they've got sort of the right manager who can attract better players. Um, and as I said, they've they've started the season well, and you've got to give them credit because yeah, you know, they are the top the top. I never thought I'd say top that in my life. After, after, um, five, after five games, you know, five wins on the spin. I mean, that that's the other thing I was thinking about, like what sort of level of point. Because obviously the last two seasons, well, the last three seasons to win the league, you've got to post ninety-eight points minimum. That's I, I can't see that happening this season. No. So, I mean, so to win the first five games is is a big is a big statement in some senses because you know no one else has gone, no one else has got a hundred percent. I mean, even even Villa have obviously. Now exceeded their expectations. They've only won four out. Well, they've won four out of four, but they've not, you know, they've not won five out of five. So it's, you know, it's gonna if if you think I can't see teams posting win after win after win just because of the consistency. But then again, Everton might have an edge on that sense because they've not got European football to to worry yeah. about, which you know they never really do. But um, but. I think that, at the I mean, minute there's could, so many teams that that, that are, could make a big that could make a big difference come sort of January and February. I mean, especially with someone like ourselves where we've we've got injuries and you kind of wonder how many sort of gaps you're going to get from going back to our like old friend Mister Mister COVID. You kind of wonder how many get how many kind of players are going to miss games just and you're going to think oh we'll be going at this game in reasonable nick and then all of a sudden it's like you might just get two players coming down with COVID like yeah. <laughs> and. Which is just like it's, it's, so. There's going to be a huge element of luck this season, I think, in many senses. Um, and yeah, if I mean, ultimately, you, you got to say over 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 38 games, whoever wins wins. But there's it's it's going to be a bit. I mean, yeah. I, 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 well, the way it's going, you can't see fans coming back in this season. No, I'd be surprised um, at, 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 at this rate. So you think no. that's going to have a huge a huge weight in on it as well. So yeah. I think it, it's going to obviously it's going to be that bit tougher for us this season now with with Virgil being injured. But I think taking into account that I think a lot of the other teams around us are still very inconsistent. Uh, you look at City losing five two was it to Leicester the other week at home, yeah. Um, and then like United getting battered by Tottenham, who then couldn't beat West Ham. It's like it's it. There's so many diff. There's so many games that are just all over the place at the moment. I think. Yeah. Just because of that, I think I think everyone else is so inconsistent still. As long as we, if we can get Allison back fairly soon, mm-hmm. which uh, from yeah. what I've read, he's, he's ahead of schedule, which is a bonus. Um, yeah. If we can get him back soon enough and keep him fit and in the team, I think we can kind of, you know, if we keep Matt up fit, um, play him yeah. alongside Gomez or Fabinho, whichever way we want to do it, I think we've still got enough in the team to, to go on and win the league. But it, it just... That's I think more this season it will more be down to the inconsistencies of everyone else than rather, us yeah. blowing everyone away. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I, going back to the points, I th- I think not, I think if you get ninety points this season, I think that and, unless unless City put put some stupid run together, but I, I can't see it happening just because the number of games will catch up with them. I mean, Aguero's only just got back um, himself, and obviously they've got no no Jesus. And when they're going to start going around Europe, like traveling, you know, and playing every other get every other week, they're inevitably going to get to the the, the League Cup final because they seem to do that every season at the minute. <laughs> yeah, that's so, they're, so they're looking at so they're looking at another another two games in midweek when they've got the FA Cup coming. Inevitably, 
you know, they're going to be going to the, the, the likes of your Burton Albions and your things in the, in the league, in the FA Cup when they start getting those draws. So, you know, they can, they can play afford to rest some players then. And, you know, when they inevitably get knocked out in the Champions League quarterfinals, they'll have a bit of time off. But, you know, um, it's... It, it, it's it's all I mean it's it's uncharted water so you don't you don't really you don't really want to call it to to but yeah I think I mean if we, if we if we can put a run together approaching you know seven or eight games on the spin then I think the league starts to open up a little bit and you start to think you know what yeah but. I think we, we have had a tough start. You can't really. I mean, we've had our, we've had an away where we've dropped, where we've not won for three seasons, despite the kind of the, the, the number of points we've been like racking up in the league. We've got we've had Arsenal at home after they've just beaten us like twice within the last couple of months. Yeah. We've had Chelsea away, which is never an easy place to go. We made that look easy, and we've had um, we've had a team who've just come up. Everything to prove. I mean, I mean, nothing to lose. Everything to prove, and and they kind of gave gave a real good go at us. Yeah, it's so, a good game. You know, yeah. So we've so we've had a difficult start. I mean, <laughs> so you just and then obviously the Villa game was what it was. But I don't think anyone, no one in their right mind, not even I mean, not even the most insane Villa fan would have would have predicted something like that. So no, definitely yeah. not. That was that was it was embarrassing, but it was one of them. You, yeah. Once, once it kind of, I needed a day or so to, to sort of really let it sink <laughs> in. But yeah. once that had happened, then I'd, one, and like we talked about it on on here, it, it kind of, I just accepted and was like, you know what, it was a one off, it, it was a blip, um, it's not going to happen. And I think that that showed in the derby on Saturday. I think we were much yeah. much better. We were we were sort of we were better than everything we were doing. As you say with Thiago, some of the passes he was he was putting about the place was phenomenal. Um I thought Jordan Henderson had a fantastic game. Um mm-hmm. say so it was it was it was the bounce back performance we needed. It just we didn't quite get the result because of VAR, which is which is a shame. Um yeah. but obviously, you know, we we got we move on and we've got Ajax coming up on Wednesday. Um which, you know, it's gonna be an interesting game that you know Liverpool have not played Ajax in I, I assume probably either of our lifetimes in a competitive yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, um, 1966. Yeah, and uh, I'll be honest. So I've got a I've got a great anecdote about this. So my uncle, I, I used to I used to park at my uncle's uh, on my way, and I get either a taxi or get the bus up to Anfield when I when I was going, um, you know, all the way through the noughties. So I used to park up there a number of times. I'd kind of stop in at his house. Um, and he'd show me, he'd get all his programs out from going to the game in the sort of like 60s and 70s and, you know, do all this. Sadly, he passed away um, back in 2009. Um, and, you know, at his funeral, we were kind of, you know, a couple of his mates all having a pint afterwards and chatting away. And one of them was telling about how back in, back in 1966, obviously Liverpool draw Ajax, Johan Cruyff, the, the sort of, Everyone talking about Cruyff and you know, Ajax have got this wonder kid. So the game's going to sell out. Shankly's been talking about him and saying, you know, oh, everyone's got to see this kid. He's incredible. Um, and Liverpool had obviously just been pasted 5-1 away. And Shankly's, oh, you know, the terrible defensive team. We got done over by the fog. So and I, one of Pete's mates 
went up to get, uh, my Uncle Pete, one of his mates went to get the tickets. He stood in the queue and it's a huge queue to get the tickets for the game. Um, gets them and he's kind of on his way back, on his way back down, walking back down towards uh, towards the house. Um, so he <laughs> fella pulls up next to him in a, in a big fancy car and goes, hey mate, uh, are they still, have they still got tickets left? And he's like, I doubt it. We were like towards the back of the queue and they were starting to run out then. He's like, oh, have you got them? He goes, uh, yeah, yeah. So the fella goes, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll buy them off you. And he's like, no, no chance, mate. He's like, I'll give you five times face. And he's like, bloody hell. So he sells them for five times face, goes back home, and like says, oh, mum, dad, I've been robbed. <laughs> and, then, and then they were all saying, you bastard, I missed that game. I never got to see Cruyff play all this. And, and he's like, when we were growing up, you always used to have comics and sweets and we never used to know why. And he's like, allow you do so yeah so um yeah so apparently that was sort of I mean, obviously the liverpool liverpool getting absolutely like smashed over an ajax was a sort of a huge thing because you know we just got just won the obviously won the league the season before uh and got to the european cup european cup winners cup final um i think they got beaten by Borussia dortmund yeah no we no so um you know obviously to, to lose like in that manner um, was was a, a big thing, but obviously Ajax, you know, within a couple of years, they won three European Cups on the bounce. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, what a name! I'm, you know, gutted that we're not going to be there for it. Yeah, um, it's, it's a shame, but it's it's yeah. a nice tie. I think, you know, Ajax they've, they've always been known for playing nice football, uh, bringing them through academy players, which is always good to see. Um, and you know, I think it's a bit of bit of European royalty to to join us in the group for once. Uh, so often it's nice to see sort of like these smaller teams that you might get like uh, you know the Danish team that we've got in there this season it's always nice to see so, clubs M- like M- that Michelin. yeah yeah it's it's always nice to see clubs like that in there as, as well but I think there's something special about sort of you know we've got what 10 10 European clubs between us it's like it's 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 such a it's such a it's a spectacle almost um, and it's just yeah. the one thing it'll be missing as you say is the fans but it's still going to be some game, I, I, I think. Well, I, 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 I remember getting an Ajax. I mean, I've, I've always had like quite a few sort of football shirts. So if ever I go on holiday or we ever, we ever do a gig somewhere, I always try and get a shirt. Um, and I got an Ajax away shirt. It was like a black, you know, when they used to have the uh, ABN AMRO sponsor. It yeah. was, um, and it was on the side. And I got that and I gave it away to a girl I used to go out with a couple of years, like, well, I say a couple of years ago, we married for like the best part of six years. So it was quite a while ago. So and I gave it away um, because she was going over to study in Amsterdam. And I got it because that was, in, that was an incredible football shirt. And um, I, I had a look on the, what's it called, the classic football shirts um, website. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they're over a ton now. So I'm like, oh, you dickhead. <laughs> so no, ne- never give stuff away. So yeah, no, what a, what a what a stupid decision that was, and um, yeah, and then, but when we, we split up, and she sent me a message going, well, Ajax don't play because she went to one of the games at the the Amsterdam Arena when she was there. And she's like, why is the shirt black? Ajax playing in white and red, and I was like, don't even, don't even. Don't like so, <laughs> so still a still yeah. a very sore wound at the time. <laughs> Yeah, oh, mate, you know, you never get over giving away like shirts like that. So that was a stupid move, you know. Whatever, yeah. man. Ah, well, you live and learn, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, so Ajax are kind of one of them teams you can't. I think a lot of people will always just look out for because, as I say, they've they've got sort of that history of bringing through all these players that go on to be world class. That it's just always fun to see the next crop of them coming through, and they're never afraid to bring them into the fold, are they? So, no, makes no. for a good game. Um, and then obviously moving on from that a bit more. Uh, Sheffield United on uh, I think it's Saturday night, isn't it? Uh, yeah. live, live on pay per view. Um, well, or... I've, I've, I've got going back to where we started the, 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 the this podcast. I've got to mention that there's a big campaign at the minute uh, where a lot of the kind of organisations regarding the, the food banks they're suggesting that people instead of paying the fifteen quid, they boycott the, 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 the pay per view and they donate the fifteen quid to their a local food bank instead and Newcastle fans raised about 20,000 quid yeah, from doing that, which is incredible so yeah so obviously I think uh, there's obviously going to be a big push to do a similar thing um, so I imagine it's going to be like the Shrewsbury game last season where everyone was looking for like uh, dodgy streams and they're all over yeah. the place well, I've, just, I've just got my IPTV back anyway so I'm sorted but um, I think the pay, I think this pay-per-view system they brought out is, is terrible while I, I put it up when they announced it and I think while fans can't go into the stadium, then I think it's really, really poor of them to, to be charging them extra to watch the games as it is. I think it got worked out in one of the papers that if you wanted to watch every pay-per-view game and you pay for your Sky Sports and your BT Sports and your Amazon Prime and all that, it costs you like three and a half grand to watch them all. Um, whereas in, in Australia and New Zealand, I think it costs them about $200 a year for like the Premier League app, which has got every single Premier League game on it, so you pay it like a. I think I think over there it is like it is a bit like a Netflix type of deal. Um, yeah. And it, when you when you compare the two like that, I mean, I'd happily pay like a ten a month or something if it meant I was getting every single game every week. Um, and I think a lot of people would be, but to be charging fifteen pound every single game, I worked it out every weekend. That's seventy five pound a weekend extra. On top of what you already pay, it's. I mean, well, you only have to look at the game. I mean, uh, you only have to look at the game last night, the Burnley against West Brom game. Was it? Yeah, Burnley. <laughs> I mean, you're paying. Do you want? I mean, do you want to pay fifteen quid for like a, a, a you know, a nil-nil shocker? No, I mean, well, to be fair, I mean, <laughs> I, I doubt even if fans were allowed in, you probably you could probably go a ticket for less than that. Um, yeah, exactly. To it, and my my issue with it is. It's it's at the minute yet to put on sort of like Burnley and West Brom on and stuff like that. But how long until they they realise that that's not going to work and they go right okay, Arsenal Tottenham's on pay per view, Liverpool Man United's on yeah. pay per view, um, and then that's the way they're going to go about it because no one's going to want to buy Burnley versus West Brom or Fulham versus you know Brighton or something like that. Um, no that's disrespect it. to them teams, but it's not a game worthy of paying for if you, especially if you're a neutral. Um, yeah. Whereas, I mean, I won't pay for the, I won't pay for it for any one of them anyway. But if I was, if no. I as a neutral, if I seen, I had the choice between paying fifteen pound for Brighton and Fulham or, you know, United Chelsea or something like that. You know what one you're going to yeah. go for, and that's the way they'll end up going with it. But that's that's the other thing though. I mean, I don't know where they arrived on the fifteen quid because when you think you can get like a now TV one-off pass for like a day pass, can't you? But that's but even then, that's for a that's a day pass. So say it's like a super Sunday, you'd get all the games on that day. And you think, well, you know what? It's money. 
but at least you're getting a full day of sports. And if you're thinking, well, you know, so well, obviously you've got something like COVID at the minute where everyone's going to be stuck at home. And, and but, but even in, in the sort of pre, pre-COVID times, say it was like middle of winter, you've got nothing on, you know, you're, you're like, well, not going to go out today. Weather's horrible. Not going to go to the pub because it's like a Sunday and I can't be arsed and I'm skinned. But I can, I can, I'll pay. I'll say it was like a tenner, and you're watching a whole day of games, and you were like, "Well, there's a there's a, a La Liga game later on. Can watch that as well." You'd think, you know what? I can, I, I, I can, I can deal with that. But fifteen quid just for one game is is crazy, yeah, and absolutely crazy. And and I mean, it, someone was was trying to justify it in terms of like a boxing sense because, but the thing with boxing is you can watch it again and again and yeah. and alternatively and yeah and so the thing nice. is like you you know you're boxing and even like and you get an, you US. get an undercard as well yeah, yeah you got you got the, a huge undercard so yeah yeah that's exactly what I was going to point out like yeah. you you're boxing and your UFC and stuff like that you you get 5 hours worth of content maybe more so it's not yeah. like you're paying 15 pounds for 90 minutes and that's it you're getting 5 hours and as you say you can go back and rewatch it and stuff like that so it's it's and more importantly they're not as often so you know if you've got a big boxing event coming up in three months like for instance Anthony Joshua's fight has just been next fight's just been announced people will pay that and then you know you won't mightn't have to pay for another fight for of his at least anyway for another six months or so so people don't mind doing it when it's like so far spread out but to to pay 15 pound like up to five times a weekend is just mind-boggling it doesn't make any sense my, I sort of had a genuine worry that this might cause like long-term issues with football in this country, because ultimately, it's you, you're going to have at least at least eighteen months where we've been sort of separated from going. Like, what what is a routine, isn't it? And it's sort of like there's going to be a lot of people who lose their jobs during this sort of this situation and you've got an 18 month period where people aren't going to be doing what they've potentially done for a lifetime in many in many cases and then all of a sudden it's like what how, how are things going to change are, are the clubs going to you know the, the clubs have obviously survived and when you look at the transfer fees that have been paid during this sort of past window you're kind of thinking okay the clubs aren't, are obviously not struggling to the, to, to the extent where fans not coming into the ground is, is crippling them and they're not being able to buy players. And then all of a sudden, this is like, you've got this sort of situation coming in where people people are being asked to pay 15 quid to watch the, the team on, on telly and you're like, that's appalling. And I'm, I, th- I think some people might not fall out, of, I'm not saying fall out of love with it, but they might just be like, you know what? Because there was always that talk of like the lobster pot scenario where you've, you know, you don't, you, you boil a lobster from, from cold. And that was the thing with like with tickets for going to the game and they were gradually going up and up and up and up and up. But if you'd have all, if, if in 1992 you'd have told someone that, the, well, however much it was, if you, well, actually it's going to be 50 quid to go to the game, you'd have gone, no, no chance. Yeah. And I think ultimately when you, when you kind of switch it back on and people are going back in the ground again, a lot of people might go, you know what? Nah, I'm out. And I mean, it, it, 
it's it's it, you just don't know. You really don't know, and that could be a really sort of that'd be really sad um, for a lot, you know, for a lot of people. Because yeah, but I, I I genuinely worry that that things like this are going to gradually. Yeah, and and obviously you've got the financial situation further down the pyramid, and obviously the 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 the, uh, the, the talks that were going on recently to try and alleviate that, and I mean that's a, that's that's another five podcasts at least. <laughs> so yeah, bloody definitely. hell, but yeah, but you know what I mean. So it's it's it it is a it it's a very it, it feels like a sort of a huge moment this for for you know football in general, but certainly English football. In terms of what they do as a result of this, and this just feels like the the wrong decision in in every sense. And you know, I, I don't I don't think it's going to improve any. It's not going to improve anyone's situation apart from Sky Sports for for getting a few extra quid. Yeah, so, that's it. They're the yeah. ones that benefit, and not us. Which is uh, the way it's gone for the past well last mm. last decade or so at least. Um, yeah, just. Fat cats in, in control, and it's a shame. Yeah, you get the genuine fans who, who lose out in the end. It's a shame, yeah. but um, right. Well, um, I think we'll we'll leave it there then for today. But it's been it's been great to chat to you, David. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out um, to talk to me. Oh, no today. worries, good to chat here. Yeah. Um. So and, uh, we're gonna, yeah. Yeah. No. Again, thanks. Thanks very much. And um, I'm gonna leave you with uh, one of your songs today. So, uh, you know, put give. Put a bit of awareness again out for for you guys, but um, again, it's going to be one one of the songs that supports the food bank, so uh, gives everyone a chance to have a, li- a little listen to what you guys are about and what you're like as authors. So, hope everyone oh, enjoys it, and I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed today.
Social Podcast Network.